Shall we pray? Let's pray. Father, we long to know uh, your presence and your power. And so, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be activated in us and among us today, that what we hear now might enlighten our minds, might warm our hearts and might change us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I want to talk today about the power to be a messenger of God. Perhaps you can relate to this situation if you're a Christian. Um, You're with friends or colleagues and the talk is flowing. And you look around and you're conscious that these people that you're with, they're not church people and they're not even religious. And if they are, they aren't into Christianity. They prefer some other religious outlook. And as you sit in this conversation, the thought of saying something about God in this setting is difficult. Uh, it's difficult for you. On, on one hand, you think of yourself, you know, and you feel like, I'm not confident to speak. I don't know enough. I'm not sure enough about my own faith to risk, you know, not knowing what to do or say if people ask questions or make comments. And on the other hand, you think of them and you think, oh, they don't believe in God or in Jesus and they, they don't want God talk in this conversation. They're all happy and living a great life and why would they be open to the kind of thing I might say? They probably think God is stupid and if I speak up, they'll probably think I'm some kind of fundamentalist. And so, when these thoughts might occur to us as we sit in conversations, we stay pretty quiet. Even if what we believe is really important to us and and we think that it is good, it is great and it's worth others knowing. Is there any help available in this situation? Well, today is Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost is... Originally, you know, a Jewish festival, the festival, the Feast of Weeks, uh, a harvest festival. But uh, Christians particularly remember a particular Pentecost, Pentecost after Jesus' death and resurrection in Jerusalem, the day that God gave his church the Holy Spirit in a way that enabled them to speak. The Holy Spirit gave them power to speak and still gives Christians power today to speak of him, to tell others about God and Christ, to become messengers of God to others. And so today I want to look at firstly the power to speak up that God gave the first Christians and then secondly the power to speak up that he gives Christians today. So firstly, The gift of the Holy Spirit at Pentecost moved the first Christians to speak up about Jesus. In Luke 24, 45, our gospel reading, we have Jesus' last instructions to his disciples. Firstly, he gave them this great gift, insight, understanding of the Bible's essential message about himself and about what is to happen next. We read then, Jesus opened their minds so that they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins we preached in his name to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. Next, he reminded them, you are witnesses of these things. And so your work will be to bear witness, to speak about them. And lastly, though, Jesus said, wait. 
Wait for power that I'm going to send you from on high. He says, I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been clothed with power from on high. Now, the power that Jesus sends is more than just power. It is the Holy Spirit. And the creed that we say, and we will say after the sermon at each communion service, has these words. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. And so the Holy Spirit is the Lord, that is, uh, the Lord God. The Holy Spirit is the one and personal, unique and holy, creator and redeemer of the world. He is not an impersonal force or less than fully God. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life. The Creed also says that the Holy Spirit has spoken through the prophets. And one of the things that the Holy Spirit does is to inspire and empower people to talk, to speak as messengers of God, to prophesy. And this happens in the Old Testament passage from Numbers 11. I don't know if you've uh, come across this recently. It's, it's kind of tucked away there in Numbers 11. It's a little bit obscure. But Israel is with Moses in the desert, having been brought out of Egypt to Sinai. And Moses summoned 70 elders to the tent of meeting. And then the Lord came down in the cloud and spoke with him. And he took some of the power of the Spirit that was on him and put it on the 70 elders. And when the Spirit rested upon them, they prophesied. And we read something similar, don't we, in Acts Two. It's a bit more dramatic, perhaps. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. What were they saying? Well, we skipped a bit. Uh, But in verse 11, the crowd reports that we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. What were these people saying? It wasn't gibberish, but it was the wonders of God being declared. Moses said in Numbers 11, 29, I wish that all the Lord's people were prophets and that the Lord would put his spirit on them. And the prophet Joel said that Moses would have his wish. In Joel 2, 28 and 29, we read, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days, and they will prophesy. Now, the Apostle Peter says that not only did Moses wish and Joel promise but that Peter says that God kept his promise and that that's what happened on that Pentecost in Jerusalem after Jesus' death and resurrection. He says in Acts 2.16, these people are not drunk, as you suppose it's only nine in the morning. No, this, this is what is spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. To prophesy is to bring a message from God, to speak, because God gives you something to say and the words to say it. And the gift of the Holy Spirit moved the first Christians to speak up about Jesus. Peter was bold enough to declare in Jerusalem, seven weeks after 
Jesus had been crucified by the authorities, by the leaders of the Jewish council, after the crowds had cried out for him to be sent to the cross, Peter stood up and says, God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. Very bold. Peter was energised enough to call for repentance, to warn and to plead. Peter replied, repent and be baptised every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. And Peter's words had an impact We read that those who accepted his message were baptised and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. And so when Jesus said they would be clothed with power from on high, he was not wrong. So that is firstly the way that the coming of the Holy Spirit prompted the first believers to speak up and gave them words to say. Secondly, though, the gift of the Holy Spirit is for us too. So that we have power to speak up. Now, it doesn't get more spectacular than Acts 2. The first coming of the Holy Spirit to empower those first Christians. There's a roaring wind, there's tongues of fire, there's speaking in other languages. There's Peter's impromptu sermon which yields up 3,000 people putting their hand up to say, can I please be baptised? This spectacular start, however, gives way uh, to more ordinary times and more ordinary Christian mission and witness. If you read on in Acts, Paul you know, travels around and he preaches in synagogues and you know, sometimes there are great events, but other times it's, um, it's a mixed reception. You know, he gets uh, shoved out of the synagogue and has to go to the lecture hall next door. He speaks in private houses or marketplaces and lots of people hear and some believe, sometimes Quite a few, happily, but sometimes not many, and many people do not. He asks the Colossians to pray that God may open a door for his message. He's conscious that without God's doing this, it's not going to amount to much. And he said, even uh, looking ahead, he says the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. says this to Timothy. But despite this, despite the prospect of of unhappy times, of unreceptive times, he tells Timothy, preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. And so, whether things are going well or not so well, we Christians can't fall silent. God's work is done through words, through talk. Sometimes it's big crowds listening to a big speaker. Sometimes it's just one Christian talking to one other person in a conversation. And in that conversation, maybe it's a question that's asked, a question you might ask that sets someone else thinking. You know, what have we lost when we don't believe in God anymore? And that gets a conversation going. Or you say something that kind of opens a new side to the friendship. You say, when someone shares a trouble... Can I pray for you about that trouble? Or maybe it's an aspect of your life that you open up about, that you haven't 
perhaps talked about before with this person, but you say, look, I really, I really get a lot out of my small group at church, my Bible study, my Caritas group. It's really, really interesting. The people there, the things we talk about, the support I receive, it's great. And maybe it's a question you answer in a Christian way. You know, someone relates to you, a decision they're facing, and you say, when I have a hard decision to make, I ask God to help me make this decision well. Maybe you say, when someone complains that someone's ripped them off or done them wrong, you say, when someone does the wrong thing by me, I try to do the Jesus thing and be forgiving. Maybe God does his work through your words when you do some inviting. Someone's into gardening, say, hey, why don't you come to the gardening afternoon at church next Saturday? We have a great time. You meet people there. Or we have a carol service. Want to join us and sing and celebrate Christmas? Or even, why don't you try coming to my Bible study? We have a great time. And I think what we read about is really important. There are lots of very low-key ways that God does his work through our words. They don't have to be big, you know, sermons, but part of reaching people is to give them a message in all sorts of ways. And the Holy Spirit is given to all Christians. And the Holy Spirit is there to help us to speak, to help us to become effective servants of God, to make us really messengers, carrying his word to others. He helps us look in at least these three ways. Firstly, the Holy Spirit helps us to understand. It's much easier to talk about things that you are confident you understand and are clear about. And the Holy Spirit enables us to understand, firstly, the things of God. 2 Corinthians 2.12, Paul says, What we have received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. So when you come to church, ask God by his Holy Spirit to give you understanding of what you hear. When you open the Bible to read, Ask God to give you understanding of what you read, of what God has freely given us, and to do this by his spirit. Because if you understand, that is a huge step forward to being able to speak. And the spirit is here to help us to understand. If we seek understanding of God and what he has given us, the spirit is our friend, our helper, our counsellor, our teacher. Secondly, the Spirit helps us, helps us to speak because actually by his power, Christ dwells in our hearts. And this goes much deeper than just understanding about Jesus. Because, because we have the Spirit, we have Christ in our inner being. Ephesians 3, 16 and 17, Paul says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, God the Father may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Christ may dwell in your hearts because the spirit 
has strengthened your inner being that that may be true. Or as it's put in John 7.38, our uh, you know, verse we had at the start of the service, Jesus said, whoever believes in me, rivers of living water will flow from within them. He's talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit can make our words a kind of overflow of God's being with us and in us. Maybe not kind of thundering Niagara Falls kind of overflow, which is a bit like Pentecost, you know, tongues of fire and proclamation of the wonders of God in other tongues, but maybe a quieter, gentler, subtler, but nonetheless a real outflowing from us, from our hearts, that has its effect on those around us. Those rivers flow. How do they flow from us? Well, when we come to Jesus and we drink, when we first put our trust in him. Now, you probably know a Christian or two who have, you would say, yeah, there is a person I knew or I know who has those rivers of living water flowing from them. And chances are that person has drunk deep of the well of the scriptures. They've read it ongoingly. They've meditated on them prayerfully. The chances are that person has drunk deep of the practice of prayer, of exercising their faith in Christ and learning to persevere in it. And it's never too late for us to seek to follow the example of such spirit-filled believers and to go to Jesus to drink that out of him, out of us, may come rivers of living water, his life by his spirit. Thirdly and lastly, so the Spirit helps us to understand. The Spirit helps us because Christ dwells in us. And thirdly and lastly, the Spirit helps us speak because he makes our words powerful in our mouths. You know, however powerless our Christian talk may often seem, when God is doing his business, it works. Paul said to the Thessalonians, our gospel came to you, not simply with words, but also with power the Holy Spirit, and deep conviction. God's work is done in the world through words. I mean, God's work has other facets too. Deeds are there, they have their place. But God makes his people prophets, those who speak. He gives us something to say. And so you can ask yourself, do I need to understand that thing better? Can I speak with confidence about God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. Do I need to grow in my understanding? Can the Spirit help me there? The Spirit gives us power to say it, right? So that power comes from Christ dwelling in us. So we can ask ourselves, do we need to commune with him? To seek, to have a heart to speak his message. And the Spirit gives his power in our mouths to touch others. And so perhaps we might need to pray for those that we do speak to from time to time or regularly that God would open a door for the message and that we would become his messengers. Let's pray. Father, we pray that we would know the gift of your spirit.
by his strengthening of our inner being, Christ would dwell in our hearts, that rivers of living water would well up in us and overflow from us, that you would give us understanding to speak your word, the desire to do it, and the opportunity to be effective messengers from you to those whom we know and have opportunity to touch. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.